Hi, folks, and welcome to the Sioux Nation podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jake Geis. And for those of you with small to medium-sized flocks, you might need Backyard Advantage, Sioux Nation's locally formulated and produced poultry feed. Today on the show, we're talking to Brian Roseboom of Dry Creek Farms in Rock Valley, Iowa. Now, Brian and his dad and his brother own and operate their dairy on the family farm that's been in operation since 1901. That's that's a heck of a long time there, Brian. Yeah, yeah, you got that right. Yeah, well, thank you for taking the time to talk with us here today on the program. Glad to be here. So, starting off with, can you just tell us a little bit about the dairy? You know what you guys kind of do, and uh, you know what how it's all set up. I guess. Sure. My dad and my my grandpa actually started the dairy in 1974. Prior to that, it was just a, a grain farm. So they started out with 40 cows, and slowly on as brothers came in actually um in the 80s uh that grew to 90 cows and uh i ended up coming in all oh, back in 2003 i believe we've grown since then from about 300 cows to today we're milking 550 milking all the time 640 milking and dry approximately all the time and as far as like on the calf side do you just raise your own replacement heifers do you buy them i mean what's kind of your program there um, program is we, we breed and replace, breed all of our own replacement efforts from baby on up. They'll, they'll stay on farm. Nothing leaves the farm other than, uh, steers. We do. We also raise our own steers, but, uh, mm-hmm. on an average, we're calving about 10 to 12 cows a week for sure. So we have a constant flow of calves flowing in and out of the system. Okay, sure. And the steers, so you, you actually retain those steers for a while then? I do. I retain all the steers all the way up till fast. We bring them to market weight and sell them locally at the local sale barns here. So uh, it provides some diversification for us on the income sides. If you know, generally, if the milk market isn't real good, well, hopefully the meat market is good, you know? And so we we kind of ride the waves. You know, managing those steer calves, is that more of a self-feeder program or kind of how do you guys like to manage those? No, we are not on self-feeder. We're, uh, pretty high forage diet i guess you might say oh, okay a lot of ground corn earlage mm-hmm. and corn silage we don't we don't hit them with a real hard implant program because of a steer a holstein steer is just so much different they can't handle the heat you might say of of a nice hot program like a, a colored animal will but generally we'll finish them out you know at that fourteen fifty range and it'll be done in, in about 16 months from birth that's not bad turnaround in Holsteins. No, it, they're, there's Holsteins. You got to keep, you got to remember that. That's mm-hmm. their Holsteins. They're, they're not bred for this. They're bred to milk. It, it's a different animal. So is there anything else you do besides the dairy as far as farming operation then? Um, we actually farm, I suppose, about uh, 1,300 acres all total between custom work and our own. And uh, that's all comprised of mainly corn and also some alfalfa for we chop haylage. Oh, okay. So that that's all retained to feed mainly milk cows, some to heifers. So, you know, let's spend a little time looking back. Because you said 2003 was when you got your start in it, though the family's been doing it for quite some time. Yep, right. And you were, uh, you know, if you think back to 03 till today, I'm sure there's been a lot of, well, I know there's been a lot of different challenges in the dairy market. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there has. Yeah, what are some of the things that you've done, you know, to try to, navigate these times in order to keep the operation going we've teamed up with a marketing firm they've done us very well uh, we don't necessarily go whole hog into the into the board mm-hmm. but we are definitely 
players. We're protecting our bottom lines that way and, and putting some floors on some pricings and, and uh, some strike prices out there that, you know, that we can live with. And uh, it, it comes down to if we can lock in a profit, we're going to lock it. And uh, you never go broke having a profit, right? Nope, nope. It's hard to. So that's one way we've done it. We've also diversified. You know, we've, we've talked about the steers. We've, been, we've diversified a little bit doing custom work, some custom work with a, a chopper or spring tillage, spring planting equipment. That always brings in a little extra income as well to, to support. We, you know, we got three families here that are that are owners here, along with a slew of employees. So it, it takes some diversification in order to keep everything rolling. You think back even too over this time frame. Not only have, has there been challenges financially wise, but really the technology from how we were milking cows twenty years ago today has really changed. And it's one of those things where, if you're in it every day, maybe you don't think about it quite so much. But for the folks that haven't been in dairy for a long time or just aren't in dairy. Could you just maybe elaborate on some of those things that have changed over the past 20 years, technology wise, and maybe some of the cool stuff that you'll see nowadays that you wouldn't see 20 years ago? You know, 20, 30 years ago, we were all putting parlors in. Mm-hmm. That was, that's the thing. It's the, the easier way to milk cows and it, it works great. And that's evolved from not only just parlors, but uh, parlors with milk weights in the parlor. We can individually take milk weights off each cow, each milking. That has now evolved to robotics. Um, robotics is the big thing right now. That is what everybody's talking about, and rightfully so. A lot of them mostly are voluntary milking. And it, it takes some labor out, out of the equation and because that, that is the biggest challenge that we face is labor. Finding enough people to milk the cows, get the cows fed, without a doubt, our biggest hurdle. So... Robotics will take that place somewhat. It still takes labor to to manage a robotic farm, mm-hmm. but much less. We've gone from anywhere from uh, just robotic milking, they're coming on their own, they're doing their own thing, to what we've implemented recently over the last year is activity monitoring. We can catch these cows that are in heat that are ready to breed at the right times. It's no different than you wearing a pedometer or whatever, or a Fitbit on your wrist. It works the, it works the same. It alerts us when these cows are high activity. It lets us know when to breed them, basically. And so we've lessened our needs for prostaglandins and GnRHs, any hormonal treatments, in order to uh, get the, those cows bred back again. So that's kind of the robotics and the activity systems are, are kind of today. I was going to say that robotic system, um, you know, because I've worked with a couple different dairies that have had them. And I, uh, the funniest story I have from that actually is my, my grandma uh, grew up during the Depression. And so she hadn't heard about the robotic dairy systems. Sure. You know, they, they milk cows. My grandpa actually got out of milking cows roughly about the time that uh, your folks got in. So, okay. sure. Yep. <laughs> and and uh, it was... Uh, a world of difference and an eye opener to her when I showed her a video uh, last year, the year before about a robotic milker. And Mm -hmm. I tell you what, I think I could have given her two tickets to Disney world and she wouldn't have been half as excited as the thought of being able to have a cow milk herself. (laughs) It's something that not the general public really doesn't understand it. They don't see it. And when the general public does see it, it's amazing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've made strides in the dairy industry, no doubt, and many different things. Technology has has been a big driver the last fifteen years. How's technology made changes in the way you feed cows? As a whole, 
we like to feed a high forage diet. We're a high corn silage, high haylage. Uh, I think right now we're right around 65% forages in our rations. So the biggest thing to us is, you know, forage harvesters of today are, are very, very capable of doing about anything you want, want them to. Mm-hmm. We've gone to lengthening our length of cut on our corn silage and, and using a processor to process it in such a way that it's all shredded up. And so it's more available for that cow to use it. They can get more out of that plant. You can start talking feed additives, you know, feed additives, additives of today of, are making cows more efficient on feed and uh, protecting them against any possible toxins there might be in, a, in feeds. And so that, that's been a big deal in the last 15, 20 years that we've made strides in, in all kinds of feed additives that have benefited more or less most of the time. There's been, there's always those drawbacks of putting feed additive upon feed additive on, upon feed additive and pretty soon you're stacking them. And that's not necessarily good either, but at the same time, you're, you're, uh, you're maximizing everything. And as soon as you feel you can pull, start pulling some back. Well, you know what, then we can start cutting some costs. Feed has been a feed of course is the biggest cost to any dairy operation. That is where we concentrate. Sure. And I'm that, that applies across basically every livestock species that feed bill is the, is the toughest one to swallow. Yep. Yep, always is. So maybe as we get here kind of towards the end of our conversation, you know, you, you've seen a few things. The whole family's seen a lot in the dairy industry for a long time. So what advice would you have for others that are in the dairy world and maybe some things that you know now that maybe you wish you'd known before you ended up going through it the hard way? Our main thing is to put, to surround yourself with good people. Surround yourself with a good vet, you know, a, a good lender, nutritionists and equipment dealers. All people that offer services, make sure you got those key people around you in order for uh, you to be successful. If you need those people, they are your, the key to your success. So it's the it's the, the main four or five people that, that make your operations run and run smoothly. Sure enough. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to talk with us today, Brian. Really appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate being here. Hey, and thank you to all our listeners out there listening to the podcast. Y'all take care, folks. <laughs>